0: your Thursday daily delivery special football Thanksgiving episode. I'm your host, Michael Rand. We're gonna do almost exclusively football talk, I guess uh exclusively exclusively football talk. I got two guests on today's show. Going to start with Ben Gessling, beat writer for the Star Tribune Covers the Vikings. Get you set up for Thursday night football, Vikings against New England. A lot of uh, interesting subplots there. Kevin O'Connell playing against or coaching against his uh his former coach Bill Belichick Vikings coming off a thirty seven point defeat to Dallas on Sunday I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with that game trying to rebound with that but certainly not at full strength with you know three of their corners out now um the uh, injury report came out Wednesday so they're going to be without um, obviously Cameron Dancers on injured reserve also Andrew Ruth Jr and Caleb Evans all both out in the game as well so. They will be thin in the secondary against a coach who knows how to exploit a team's weakness. So I'll have to watch and see how that unfolds. Uh, but Ben and I will talk about that here in just a minute. Randy Johnson, Gopher football beat writer for the Star Tribune, also will join me here a little later on to talk about that uh, debacle against Iowa last week. Gophers losing any chance to play for a Big Ten title with that defeat, and um, you know still something to play for Saturday against. Wisconsin, but really not not much more than a trophy and maybe a marginally better bowl game, a disappointing end to a promising season. So, like I said, let's get going right away. Ben Gessling, my first guest up. Here we go with Ben. Let's talk Vikings football right now with Ben Gessling, beat writer for the Star Tribune. Um, at least for the moment, Ben, I see that um we already had Cameron Dantzler out. We, we've known that for a while on injured reserve. Final injury report came out Wednesday. Um, no Caleb Evans in this game ruled out. No Andrew Booth Jr. in this game. Um, so you you could be playing corner on, uh, on Thursday night just by virtue of being in the building and being relatively tall pretty fast. They might need your services if you... Aren't too busy on deadline. Um, you and Duke Shelley um, in that game, but joking aside, Ben, uh, that's a, that's a thin secondary. I know it's not a great um, New England passing attack, but that's a, it's injuries in general are problematic right now.
1: Yeah, they are. Uh, I don't know that they want me. I, I uh, I'm six one, but uh, you know I I run like a distance runner. The the quick change of direction, <laughs> quick acceleration is not um, so much what we do um Yeah, you know, I, I think I hit. I think I hit like. uh Oh, when I've done sprint workouts recently, I'm in the 18s. You know, of like top miles an hour. um okay. Okay. so you know I, I can yeah. get okay. near there. But have you seen Chris? Be...
0: Have you seen Chris Boyd? I'm just saying. I I'm, I'm okay. I'm I'm that's rude to Chris Boyd. He's an NFL player, better than 99.9% of the population. But joking, as, joking aside, um, thin at corner, yeah, uh, beyond it thin.
1: It is thin. Um. I, you know, it's, I mean, this was the, one of the things, this that was the, we, this was
0: the thing. Yeah.
1: This was the thing that we talked about at the beginning of the year when everybody said, Hey, how good can they be? You know, a lot of times what I said, I think they'd be pretty good, but my big concern is that secondary is is it going to hold up? And to this point it has held up better than I think people would have expected. I mean, Patrick Peterson's played awfully well. Yes. The safeties have been pretty good. Um, Harrison Smith is is kind of rediscovering his his sort of uh, center field robber type role in this defense. And they have not been burned really yet that much by the fact that they are inexperienced and and not exactly proven on the other side. Um, But now you're getting it with Dantzler out uh, Caleb Evans, Andrew Booth. I mean, we're down to corner number four and Duke Shelley on that side. Duke Shelley is actually more experienced in the NFL than just about anybody of those first names I mentioned. I mean, I suppose you could move Shannon Sullivan and play him in the base. That that could be a thought, I guess, but, you know, I I think it's probably going to be Duke Shelley trying to subsist outside, and you'll have to probably move a fair amount of help over there. And, and yeah, you're going to benefit from the fact that it's not – Dak Prescott coming in here or Josh Allen, it's Mac Jones and not a terribly great group of receivers. But, um, yeah, this is this is as thin as they've looked. And it's certainly going to be a a big test because you have to figure Bill Belichick, kind of the master of I will do what it takes to win this this particular game. Even if it's kind of playing against type, you have to figure he's going to try to attack those weaknesses where he can.
0: And that's his MO. You're right. That's, that's kind of how he's, I mean, he's done a lot of really good things over his career, but as anybody who talks about Belichick, like the thing that he does the best is kind of make you, make you feel your weakness, make you, you know, play, you know, play, play left-handed as Mike Zimmer put it. Yes. Makes you play left-handed. And, you know, for, for the Vikings, I mean, they there's, you know, we'll get to some other deficiencies here in a minute, but that's the most glaring at least position where the depth has taken a a huge hit and let's not forget too i mean they're, they're already without first round pick lewis scene that's a safety but you know a safety is another member of that secondary could give you a little versatility a guy like andrew bynum comes from a you know was a corner in college could possibly you know slide over into some kind of hybrid role like that if absolutely necessary if lewis scene was still there so you're still you're talking about a lot of guys out right now um making you wistful for the Cameron Dantzler days and you now Dantzler was actually playing relatively well this year I thought before he got hurt he and Patrick Peterson like you said was, has been very good this year that was you know as long as those guys were healthy the the secondary was holding up but you, you know we've talked about it enough is is this just the way the NFL is where there's this is kind of this stars and scrubs big drop off and I'm sure the I'm sure all the guys on the roster love the way we talk about that, but or or are there other teams that say, you know what, I I think we 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 can't have this much of a precipitous drop off from you know from A to B. We we got to have a little bit more somewhere in between.
1: Well, I think the way they're constructed, certainly it's going to be this way. I mean, the question of how many other teams are like this. I mean, you certainly have seen teams get younger. You've seen. I think a lot of teams say it's not effective to pay the veteran middle class simply because if we can get younger players that are not in second contracts, it you tend to get better mileage out of them, so to speak, that they tend to stay healthier and, and they tend to be more effective for a little bit longer. So you've seen some of that, I think, happen naturally where teams are just wanting to be younger because there's a cost ceiling on those young players, but... The Vikings are in a unique spot there in the sense that you have a lot of veterans on this roster that are high priced and you've had a team that was built not around its quarterback so much as built with its quarterback as a very expensive um, part of an ensemble cast, so to speak. I mean, you've had, this has been a team that pays running backs. This has been a team that pays off ball linebackers and they have said we want to spend money in a lot of places and we also want to spend money on a quarterback. So when you do all of that, as we've talked about many times, the middle class of the roster gets hollowed out. It just can't be something where you have a lot of two, three, $4 million backups. And right. how much better would those guys be than Duke Shelley? I think is You know, it's it's up for debate. I think how much more are you going to get out of a guy like that is is probably an open question and probably a fair one to ask. But yeah, you you don't have a lot of options when the makeup of this roster is expensive veterans, dead money from veterans they decided to get rid of, and then a lot of young players. So you kind of end up in this spot and you have to try to make the best of it when you end up in this type of a game where injuries have hit in one particular spot in a tough one to just, you know, kind of roll the next person out there because it's a tough position to play.
0: Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories
2: and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow
0: the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Doesn't get any more certain when it comes to stopping the run. Um, They've been weak in that area the last few games, in particular, while Dalvin Tomlinson has been out with I think it was the calf injury that he suffered late against Arizona, and that game against Arizona was the third straight game where they were pretty good against the run i looked it up earlier on wednesday they were under 78 yards allowed on the ground each of the the three games um, leading up to and including arizona and then the last three it's been you know 130 40 50 60 170 Um, they've given up plenty on the ground dallas ran pretty well on them i know they stopped zeke but uh, pollard ran ran pretty effectively on them so it's almost like Belichick's got a few uh, a few options, although Tomlinson now questionable for this game. If you're kind of reading what that designation is, reading what Kevin O'Connell has said leading up to this game, where do you think Tomlinson is and how much impact does he have if he does play?
1: Well, I, I don't think they're going to rush things with him. I, I think O'Connell has said that, and I think that's kind of been their approach, is the, the fact that, the fact that he has not been through a full practice yet i tend to wonder if we are going to see him play and if we do how much we would see of him i don't i would not look at that and think you're getting 45 50 snaps out of him tomorrow night if he does in fact play i i almost wonder if it will be one more let's get him some practice let's get the mini buy let's see if we can get through a full week and then bring it back for the jets game i if i had to put money on it at this point that would probably be where i would expect they'd go because i mean yeah you know, the reality here is that we are all looking at this like boy they got blown out on sunday and they need to show something to make everybody kind of feel better like right yes but this is an afc game they still have a four-game lead in the NFC North. I'm not saying take your foot off the gas, but everybody that's sitting here saying, you need to do something to win this game right now, it it's, you know, I, I don't want – I'm not sitting here saying that the Vikings are saying screw your feelings in so many words. Um, the alliterative version of that would be better, yeah. but this is a family yeah. show. Um but you also can't look at these games like they're be all end all playoff games. You have to make decisions for the long term, looking at the fact that you are still in a very good spot in the NFC North, even if you would happen to lose this one. Because right. you're basically saying to the entire group of mediocre teams in the division, come get us. Right. And you're you're probably not going to see anybody come do that. So I think the the level of, of trepidation right now, I, I get it. Um because they got blown out on Sunday and you're sitting there thinking eight and one, this is one of the best teams in the NFL. And that Dallas game put a lot of fear in people's minds that maybe that's not true, but I just, I'm saying, I don't think that the Vikings are going to look at this and I don't think it would be responsible to look at this as we have to put it all back together and have everybody on the field for this Thursday AFC game. That's on national TV against a, a big time brand name opponent. This is not, Power rankings. There's not style points here. There's not we're not looking at an RPI of strength of victory kind of stuff. It's you're trying to get to the playoffs in as sharp a form and with as healthy of a roster as you can. And their decisions, I think, are going to be based more on that than anything else.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I think Kevin O'Connell definitely will play the long game. I think that's kind of how he's played this this whole season and even this, you know, thinking beyond even this year, and I'm curious too. Like you know, he got asked a lot about the Belichick influence this week. Natural since he was there, yeah. Um, went through that, went through that, and you know, saw that firsthand. I do wonder how much you know being in Los Angeles last year, watching that team go through a three-game losing streak after starting seven-one, and still yeah. be able to win the Super Bowl. How much that sticks in his mind in terms of hey, let's not panic here. We we might have to do a mini reset here as we get get healthy, but. You know, a, a slide in the middle of the season isn't the end of the world.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably on his mind. I, in fact, I have had that conversation with him and with Wes Phillips to some degree. Um, you know, O'Connell's name started to surface for head coaching positions last year when they were in the middle of that streak. So he's kind of feeling like, uh, <laughs> I don't know that I am in a spot to be putting myself out there for head coaching jobs at the moment when we're trying to just get this thing fixed sure and Wes Phillips has talked about it as well that you know they it was a month because they had a bye week in there too they lost to the Packers the Titans and the 49ers I don't know if that's the exact order but it was those three teams who are all among the final eight in the league last yes. year so I mean these were these are high level opponents that if you lose to those types of teams you may be sitting there saying boy we just don't have it stop me if this sounds familiar what they did is they said okay fine we trust where we've been we've put ourselves in a good enough spot we didn't want to lose those games but let's get it fixed let's not panic let's not throw everything out the window let's get everything ready to go and trust that when the playoffs come around we'll be good enough to play with the teams that we need to beat um you know the the rams probably had a little more equity built up in the sense that they'd been in the playoffs previously and yeah. you know, they have a little bit more established defense in the vikings half um but i think that mentality certainly is the one that o'connell and a lot of these coaches are applying to this situation which in terms of a record in terms of a skid in terms of a time of the year for it feels very similar to that so i I think that's probably going to inform a lot of the thought process here
0: absolutely and with all that said they are still favored to win this game new New england is a good team a good a very good defense but they are you know they have their own flaws before they went on a little bit of a run here they was you know kind of looking like s is even a playoff team so it, it will be I, I think this is the kind of game where they will they will be in this game. At least it probably will feel a little bit more like the games that you were, you were used to seeing them play and not the not getting run out of the stadium like they did against Dallas, even with some of the injuries um, turning to the offense, though. I mean, we talked about Christian Derrissaw now being out um, for sure in this game Blake Brandle had a rough go of it against Dallas I think his PFF pass blocking grade or something like 26 that's not good that's out of 100 yeah um he was certainly not the only one that struggled in that game but when you're missing you know arguably your most important offensive lineman I mean this is the three levels of three three places on the field where they are you know either going to be limited depending on what what Tomlinson is able to do or just flat out you know in a, in, a, in a tricky spot where, you know, compared to how they would be if they were healthy. And so they to answer the question of how they're going to protect Cousins and how they're going to get the ball out and what that looks like from a game plan standpoint.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the big questions tomorrow night is how much does that change? And, and Justin Jefferson kind of hinted at it on Monday or at least said he wanted to see a change against Dallas, that they needed to get the ball out a little bit quicker to try to help Cousins just be able to protect himself and run the offense. We'll see if that changes. We'll see kind of what they do, it's worth noting that on Sunday, six of the seven sacks were longer than two and a half seconds after the ball was snapped. So, in other words, Cousins was, for one reason or the other, whether it's because of the, the design of the play or because he was just holding the ball, he had some time on a number of those plays. You know, the pocket may have, it certainly was collapsing a lot on him where it's not like he's throwing from, Desirable positions, even if he has the ball for 2.8 seconds or something like that. But I think there would be the thought that if you can get things going on three-step drops, on quick throws, you know, at least to put yourself in second and three, second and four, rather than second and eight, third and nine, you know, whatever it happen to be. Right. I I think there's probably a feeling that that would help, and and you're going to have to try to do some things there because I think a lot of the process for them this week has been. You know, where do we, we only have so much help we can provide. Where do we put it? Do we put it towards Ed Ingram when he's going to have difficult matchups on his side of the field? Do we put it towards Blake Brandle at left tackle? Um, Do we put more guys out in pass routes? You know, even the times where they had max protect type stuff last week, and they don't do a lot of that, but even the times that they did it, you saw times where the Cowboys were getting home with a four-man rush against, seven-man protections or even I think there was even one with seven and a chip from Dalvin uh, from Dalvin Cook so you know they were doing some things at times to try to help it still wasn't working so the other tool in the toolbox there is do you go to a quicker passing game do you try to move the pocket you know get some of those things going to try to just mitigate the pass rush and and maybe make the Patriots a little bit less aggressive. I think the other thing you have to figure out if you can do is try to run the ball. This is not the easiest team in the world to do that against either, but you, I think, have to try to probably do that a little bit just so that defenders are not so able to just say, okay, we know what they're going to do. We're going to come after them and kind of get in the sprinter stance and get ready to go.
0: I'd be more interested in Moving the pocket of the rollout game this year has been pretty non-existent. I think teams maybe have kind of caught on to their love of that. But moving the pocket, so I'm running the game. I feel like sometimes the three-step drops with Cousins, you feel like he gets a little mechanical. He gets a little bit uh, predictable and maybe telegraphs from throws. So those get those make me a little bit nervous. It also makes me have flashbacks to 2016 when that's all Sam Bradford did with two and three and four-yard passes when the offensive line abandoned them that season but uh, i I guess we'll we'll see how they try to how to mitigate that final thing for you ben um you know we talked about how this is not the end-all be-all game but you still don't want to see this become the beginning of a slide so as you kind of think about it, even if we're not treating this as the end-all be-all how important is is this game just just to you know to the culture in the room, however you want to term it to, to make sure that they at least feel good about themselves when Thursday night is over.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's important. I think you certainly feel like you don't want to get into losing streaks. And especially when then, you know, as much as players talked about, Hey, four days, we get to play again. You don't really want to have to sit for another 10 on a two game losing streak. I think, you know, just for the feeling in a room that helps to get that over with quickly and say, we've got a little bit of time off to, enjoy a break and, and uh, get kind of back to where we were. But, um, you know, again, I think it's that kind of trade-off between the short-term and the long-term when you're not as healthy as you'd like to be. I think there's some level of taking this in perspective if they would happen to lose it, but, you know, at the same time, you'd like to have it in the sense that you want to keep some pressure on the Eagles to, you know, that the, Race for the top seed in the NFC is still a competitive race. They gave up some ground. They gave up the advantage that they had last week when the Eagles looked like they're going to lose that game. The Eagles, of course, come back and win, and then the Vikings lose, so now they're not tied. You're trying to make up a game plus a tiebreaker mm-hmm. again, which gets tougher to do, Yes, but later you go. So you can't give up too much more ground there. If you want the number one seed, uh, you, know, you certainly want to keep the momentum going forward, but I also think for being realistic – the chances of the number one seed if the Eagles keep going are probably not great yeah. and they're in a good position to be the two right now. They're in a good position to be certainly in a great position to win the NFC North. Um, you know, I, I think there has to be a little bit of uh perspective to it too. I, I, <laughs> I, I plan to pick them to win. Yeah. So, um, and I, th- I think they still can, but I also think, you have to probably be pragmatic about some of these things, too, at this point of it. It's a, you know, it's a long year. It's not, yeah. you lose one or two games, you're not going to a, the, the college football playoff. There's no. a lot, a lot more to it than that.
0: Definitely not going to the college football playoff, nor are the Gophers. But that's a story for another time. Um, ben Gessling, appreciate it, as always. Uh, have fun on Thanksgiving. You guys get a lot of holiday <laughs> games this year. I feel a little bit bad for the uh, schedule makers and the uh, beat writers this year.
1: They're all at home, though. At least. We've had years. 2016, they were on the road in Detroit um, Thanksgiving Day. They were uh, in Green Bay Christmas Eve, and I think they played at home on New Year's Day when we spent most of that game covering the protesters who were in the rafters at U.S. Bank Stadium. So um, that year was – and I think they played Halloween night that year, too. So Uh, uh, they definitely did. On the road. On the road, and I believe I flew out of town – to Philadelphia on my wedding anniversary so yes we're not doing that this year so the fact that it's a night you know you still get to do thanksgiving stuff with the family during the day um and, you know by thanksgiving night it's like it's fine this yeah. is not not a bad draw for a thanksgiving day game and christmas eve at least is at home too so it's uh you know it's part of the gig but this one isn't so bad
0: it's keep be kind stuff. of fun, honestly keep, keep the stuffed animals safe thanks ben <laughs> all right thanks mike You know, I think Ben makes some good points about the long view. I think it's really hard when you're in the moment to appreciate, you know, that, you know, that these are long seasons, that these are, you know, that that this is not the end all be all if they lose this game or if they win this game, there's going to be a lot more football as the year goes on. So I think it's, you know, I think it's just, you you've got to wait and see and see what happens. But I also don't want to see this descend into something that becomes bigger and becomes a problem as the year goes on. So I'll be inter- interested to see how the depth holds up in this game. I think they need to learn something about what they've got in this game at the very least. Let's bring in Gopher beat writer Randy Johnson on this football heavy edition of Daily Delivery. Um, Randy, the Gophers, I'm sure, would love to. Move on as fast as they can from Saturday's game against Iowa, but I've got a feeling that one's gonna gonna sit with them for a while. It's still sitting with me, just the way it all transpired. You, you got Mo abraham running for close to 300 yards, being Big Ten uh, Player of the Week, I think, Offensive Player of the Week at least, even in defeat. And yet they still can't get over the hump. PJ Fleck now still has not beaten Iowa in six tries. Hopes for a Big Ten title are dashed. Bowl games go down, and even just the the program vibe. I got to wonder, you know, it, it, how this kind of impacts how they think about where they are going forward. Maybe that's too too much drama from one game. Maybe we can kind of bring it down a little bit. What what did you know from your from your perspective? What what transpired there on Saturday, and and you know how were they still not able to beat this Iowa team, a, a very beatable one at that.
2: You know, uh, they they just didn't make the plays when they needed to make the plays. It pretty much comes down to that. Uh, too many mistakes early on, especially. They drive down, uh, had a chance to, to get a touchdown pass. Uh, Nathan Kelly, Manis didn't see Bre- Brevin Spanford wide open. Uh, checked down to a different uh, play that, did, that was an incompletion. So then they, they bring in um, uh, Matthew Trickett for a uh, – 34-yard field goal attempt uh, with the wind in his back, and he uh, pushes it r- wide right. So there's three points, uh, maybe even seven that that, that they could have had uh, that uh, would have come in pretty handy. But then second half, they were dominant. You know, defense playing very well. Uh, then they go on that big, long, massive drive that was you know look, looking to shape up like one of those you know drive for the ages for the program. Look, <laughs> they appear to. Uh, Going in for the touchdown, and then Jack Campbell, the all-American linebacker for for, for Iowa, makes a, a heck of a play and uh knock the ball out of Mo Ibrahim. And they recover it, uh, Gophers get the ball back, uh, get back down to the 35, and then the interception by Jack Campbell and the big return. And then they give up on defense the 33 yard gain to the twelve, and pretty much ball game there.
0: Is is an outcome like that in the context of a season like this enough? You think to make them, you kind know, of PJ Fleck, rethink some of you know some of the way they go about things, or do you still do you still think, or do you still think they think that they're they're still on the right track? This close, they just need to get those few more plays and a few more games, as opposed to kind of reimagining the way they do things.
2: I, no, I don't. I don't think they're re- they're looking to reimagine. I think they they're seeing the good things that they have done. They're seeing opportunities that they missed in uh, in the passing game, especially. He was asked about it. Do they need a philosophical change in the the passing game? His answer is no. We need need to make better plays, make more plays in the passing game. So it's I don't see them, um, you know, doing like a total rebuild of their offense per se. I I do think they need to uh, get more talent in. uh, You know, uh, especially at the wide receiver position. You know, you're really seeing what the absence of Chris Ottman-Bell has, has done to this offense uh, since he went out after the Colorado game. They weathered that storm uh, right away and had a pretty good uh, day out of their wideouts uh, when they beat Michigan State 34-7. to But after that, it's 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 been a struggle.
0: It sure has. Um, I mean, I, I'm i kind of of the mind that they might need to rethink things, but I, I understand that they might not think that they've got a certain way of doing things. I think bottom line is, and I, I talked about this with Roycey on Monday. I mean, they're going to this season. I, there's certainly been worse Gophers football seasons and it's not over yet. Um, certainly, but, um, you know, for, for in terms of any probably preseason goals they had, it, it is over to a certain degree. There's been worse Gopher seasons. We've had a lot more than that. Uh, I can't remember oh, a yeah. more disappointing one. And, and, you know, that speaks to a certain degree. And this is probably faint praise to, the, the level of expectations that that have been built up here over time with with PJ Fleck and even before that Jerry Kill and to a degree you know two coaches before that with Glenn Mason but I this is this is one of the more disappointing finishes that I can remember especially just based on the opportunity the start and just how bad this big Ten West was
2: yeah I, you know it was a very winnable West and, and, it, and it turns out that you might might have been able to um to win it with only three losses you know, with as many as three losses, it's a situation where you didn't have to go uh, eight and one or, or seven and two in conference play to get there. You could have got there at six and three. Um, Yeah. It's, it's one that, uh, and yeah, the raised expectations, Uh, PJ Fleck has talked about that. It's, that's a good thing that the expectations are raised. You, you look at, you know, three years ago, they're there in Tampa, uh, finished 11 and two in the, the top 10 in the country in both polls. Um, Yeah. People, Fans want want that to happen again, and it, the last two years that hasn't happened. Uh, and with, along with that, the struggles of the passing game is, have really perplexed people. It, it, you know, you, you, when you are not able to to pass very much at all, it, it kind of leaves people wondering what's going on here. How come, you know, what happened uh, w- with this offense that was so dynamic uh, three years ago?
0: Now, to me, and this is you know, this is wild based on. How most seasons have gone. The Wisconsin game now is almost an afterthought to me. I, I know that at the end of the year, I'm sure they would feel better with a win instead of a loss. Um, I, you know, I'm sure some spectators have have will take a long time to regroup from how the rest of the season went. How do the players turn the page and, and try to you know win a rivalry game, finish the year on at least a better note than you know than the way it's going right now.
2: Well, just uh from access today with the player, you know, basically just gotta move forward, you know. You you but you know, you look your wounds, learn from what you what, what happened against uh Iowa and, and figure it be motivated by this Wisconsin game. That that's it, you know, that's they they're saying the right things now. They just gotta go out and prove the right things, I believe.
0: Where do they sit right now as we think of bowl projections? And we said, you know, no Big Ten title in, in play anymore, but you know a win versus a loss here i guess should, could certain have could have a certain motivation in terms of where they would wind up when the dust settles and, and they pick the bulls
2: yeah it uh, the the lost iowa you know pretty much i would say make sure that they will not be playing in, in one of the florida bulls um it i would say they're and you never know on how these uh, you know how they're assigned by the conference but you know they don't like to have repeat teams going to repeat places. Sure. It might move things around, uh, and then one key also is uh, how many Big Ten teams make the New Year Six bowls. Um, if you, know, you say if you get one or two in the playoffs, and then say Penn State has a third, if it's a third that's going to the Orange Bowl, then the then the uh, the bowl in Tampa goes to the ACC. But if it's a third team in the, in the New Year Six game that says that that goes to the Cotton Bowl, then then the both the uh, Citrus and, and the Tampa Bowl are. are um, are in play for the conference. So it, that's, that's going to be a thing, a thing to watch. But uh, right now you, you're probably looking, you know, their most likely destinations and the projections I've read and, and, and looked at uh, uh, are with a win, uh, possibly uh music city bowl in Nashville uh, possibly Duke's Mayo bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina, possibly pinstripe bowl in New York at, at Yankee stadium, a loss. Then you're looking at uh the quick line bowl in, in Detroit in play. Uh basically there, they've they've gone to that a couple times in the in the last uh you know six, seven years. Um so that's that's one that I'm sure they would hope to avoid. It's on uh, um December 26th. Uh I saw one projection, it was 24-7 sports that had them um didn't have a Big Ten team in the quick line bowl, and it had the Gophers in the Armed Forces bowl. In Fort Worth, Texas, playing SMU. So that in that case, it would have been looks like there that person was projecting a, a trade of, of bowls that, okay, maybe because they've been to uh, Detroit as often as they have, they'll uh, maybe look to go someplace, put them someplace else. It, it, you know, it's going to be uh, kind of interesting to see. I got, I got some calls out to some bowl offic- uh, officials and waiting to hear back from them and see what, see what happens there
0: couple more things for you randy first um they're obviously they play wisconsin it, it's this has been a, a rivalry game one that pj fleck has at least had more success in than the iowa rivalry albeit uh you know not not um, not as much as gophers fans might like as you think about this wisconsin team they're i think six and five they just barely beat nebraska the other day it's, it's a winnable game in wisconsin uh, if you it's just feel a little bit kind of like the the Iowa game all over again, where it should be close and low scoring.
2: Yeah. I think, I think it kind of feels like both the Iowa game and the Nebraska game
0: where, where it's, you know,
2: they're, you know, they're, you kind of shake it up and see what happens. And I think you're going to have, you can have different results each time. I mean, it's uh, yeah, I think that, you know, they have a shot to win. Um, You know, if, if you, if you get Mo Ibrahim running like he is behind that offensive line, you you have a shot to beat anybody, you know, if, if, if you don't, you know, you don't have a couple turnovers and things like that. You know, they, they they could control the game that way. Um, obviously they they would like to have more out of their passing game, and let's see if they can do that to keep defenses a bit more honest, uh, instead of st- stacking nine in the boxes as, as, as Iowa was able to do at times.
0: Final thing. Um, once the season is over, I'm sure we're gonna turn the page quickly to recruiting that they got somebody else the other day, and obviously that's gonna keep accelerating at the early signing period in December, you got all sorts of, you know, these coaches these days, they have to, they basically have to re- recruit like three different times they have to recruit, you know, the portal, they've got to recruit the high school kids, and they almost have to like re-recruit their entire team and make sure they're staying because they don't want yeah. them to go in the portal. Um, how do you think they stack up for 2023 and beyond when, as we've talked about plenty of times, the schedule gets harder um, and, you know, and, and expectations aren't going to go away.
2: Yeah, it's, um, you know, you just have to see how these te- how other players develop. You know, that's the one thing. And how they do recruit. And the portal is becoming a lot more important than it used to be. Yes. look You look at last year, they you know, they did very well in the portal when they got a linebacker like Jack Gibbons out there. I mean, that that, that was huge. He was a huge help. Um, this year it hasn't been quite as big of an impact. Um, you know, you've had some players who contributed. Uh, Chuck Filiaga, a Michigan transfer, started it. Uh, at the right guard all year Um, players like that they've you know they've had some success maybe not quite as much as as last year
0: well we'll see how it all shakes out I mean to me it's going to be hard for me to frame up this season as a success regardless of what happens Saturday but like I said I'm sure once uh, once Saturday is done if it is a win rather than a loss it it makes you feel a little bit different about the year but Again, we'll see how it all plays out on Saturday and beyond. Randy, you will be there in Madison. Enjoy yourself as best you can. Stay uh, stay, uh, stay away from all the crazies, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Good stuff from Randy. I'm sure I'll watch the Gophers-Badgers game, even if it's not what it could have been at the beginning of the year. I'm sure I'll still be curious, and if they do manage to win the Axe, I'm sure it will make fans feel at least a little bit better about the way this year went. But if they don't, uh, this will be, again, like I said, this is the most disappointing season that I can remember in a long time. And maybe that's a product of raised expectations. And maybe that's just a product of how the year has gone. But we'll, we'll all be watching on Saturday, I imagine, anyway. That will do it for today. That'll do it for the week. No show on Friday. Everybody get a little rest, get a little break. Enjoy a long weekend. Hopefully, we'll get back at it on Monday with Patrick Royce. Until then, I'm Michael Rand. Enjoy your holiday. Back at it again on Monday.